Hey y'all, welcome to episode 10 of Thoughts with Peaches. I'm Peaches. Hi Darren. So, today's episode is going to be a little touchy, potentially, because we're talking about something that gets avoided a lot of times in a lot of um, social discussions because of people's perceptions of certain things. We're talking about um, living in the world as an effeminate gay man. Now, I am not super duper high femme, but as my Southern relatives would say, I got a little sugar in my tank. Um, very much like Lafayette from True Blood, God rest the soul of um, Nelson Ellis, the actor who played that character, who was amazing. Um, I'm a bitch not to be fucked with, but my nails are done, my hair stays done, my face be beat, and my skin is lovely. And as much as that is a cute thing, there's still a lot of things to unpack that come along with that. Now, to frame this conversation, we're going to use some dictionary terms just to clear up some things. So the word effeminate means a man presenting feminine qualities traditionally associated with females. Now, the word feminine is socially conscripted qualities describing attributes behavior and roles associated to women and girls including gentleness empathy humility and sensitivity now all of those seem like regular traits that should be associated with any well-adjusted adult but for some reason they are socially conscripted as female behaviors thus there is a separate term when a man exhibits those behaviors as though it is something different and a lot of times effeminate men are treated as lower than masculine traditionally presenting men because of the association with weakness to femininity now people try to avoid saying that because they don't want to offend anybody but it is an unspoken thing that that which is feminine equals something weak. And because men are supposed to present themselves with strength, if a man shows feminine qualities, he is looked at less than another man because he's not manly enough. So in today's episode with my guest, my good friend, Christopher Perez, we're going to go into the heart of the matter of what it's like living as an effeminate man and having to go through life with that being part of you and how people perceive that and engage you and try to give you a little bit of insight into what we deal with so you can understand better the people that you may engage with in your life at any given time. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello. Oh, hello, good sir. How are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. How's oh, your- I'm, I'm so glad we finally get to do this. I know. I've been actually looking forward to this all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how's your day been going? You know, I was trying to be a functional adult and paint my room. Um, I've never done this in any other apartment I've been in. It's a process. Oh, honey. All I did was cook. <laughs> <laughs> that seems more up my speed than painting. I feel like I'm looking at over it already. I did some decorating stuff within the past week. I waited for some more stuff 
to come from Amazon, but it's mostly like cooking equipment and gadgets because that's been all that's occupying my time and stuff. I know. I feel like we're on a sense of like Groundhog Day every day the last three months. Yes. Time does not exist. <laughs> it's, I don't know what time of day it is. I barely know what day it is. So let's go through this. Uh, let's go through the um, initial stuff. So tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, well, my name is Chris Perez. I'm an office manager for a real estate agency called Bohemia Realty Group. And they are specializing in uptown apartments as well as all over the city. So I'm kind of in charge of both offices and dealing with the day-to-day maintenance of that, as well as doing bookkeeping and the HR component, which is the associating of new agents. So pretty much I'm the head lady in charge. (laughs) (laughs) So that's actually the perfect segue into the first part of the conversation. So in the initial intro I did for the show, I kind of gave the dictionary definitions for effeminate and feminine because people constantly think they're the same thing, but Mm. they're not. Correct. So I gave the definition of femininity being societal constructs that are traditionally assigned to women or girls relating to like gentleness, um, empathy, humility, sensitivity, and stuff like that. And effeminate, meaning a man who displays qualities traditionally associated with feminine roles in women and girls. The attributes. The attributes, yes, perfect. So give us your take on that in a general sense. Well, I would say as someone that from day one, I always made the joke, Stevie Wonder could see this coming a mile away. (laughs) And, you know, I have a high-pitched voice. I sway my hips. I am every stereotype that, you know, has been put in every movie or every representation we've ever had of what it is to be queer. um, I kind of fall in line with that. And to be an effeminate gay man, especially nowadays, I think you almost come to... The realization that, okay, this is a part of who I am. This is not an act. You know, when I was younger, I used to be afraid to even speak because that was always the first thing that people, you know, honed in on was the voice sounds very much like a girl. Yours was a voice. Mine was the um, body movements. Because... I was going to say, did you have some of the similar things where people would just look and, you know, stop I, you? I had the, because half my family's from the South, so I would go down there and see them every summer. And one of the most things that's been impressed on my mind is I always kept hearing, wow, that boy got a little sugar in his tank. Why his hands sit <laughs> like that? I'm like, actually, if you really got to know me, it's not sugar. It's vinegar and lemon juice. <laughs> but sure. It's very true. <laughs> um... <laughs> But it was it was always one of the things that was apparent because I was not necessarily the most um, delicate child. I was a very rambunctious, mm. very active, but I had a sway in my hips and I liked to play with Barbies and I wanted to do all the girly things and I always wanted to dress nice. I didn't like being outside and getting dirty very long. It was It was one of those things where I fit 
most of the stereotypes, but then the part for me was I got, I learned how to mask it by watching different people's behaviors. Oh, I was going to say, did you kind of base how you acted upon the people around you and how they reacted to that? I kind of manipulated it sort of because the luxury to some extent and similar to like growing up with the black experience and you growing up with the Latino experience, you kind of, you may have had a similar experience where there's like the butch guys, there's the really feminine guys, then there's like Mm -hmm. the pretty boys, like they're boys, but they're like pretty and suave and all the girls like them. I kind of tried to push myself into that role because I was like, okay, I like to dress nice. I like to keep my hair together. I like to have my nails nice. So I can fake it by pushing this agenda and trying to like work around everything else. And it worked pretty well until Mm -hmm. middle school. (laughs) Yeah. I would say that's usually where the change happens. Once puberty hits and it's like, Oh, Nope. (laughs) mm -mm, Can't do this no more. It's not going to work. And then by high school, I came out when I was 14, which I find amusing that everybody's like, Oh my God, that's so young. I'm like, really? No, I came out when I was 16. I remember it very well. I came out to both my parents at this restaurant in Delaware called the Charcoal Pit. And I thought in my head, this is going to be some lifetime, you know, big production movie. I'm going to be kicked out. And literally, I said, I'm gay. And my dad was like, can you pass the ketchup? That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... You're an asshole. You ruined this big moment. <laughs> See, I had the, I had a similar, I think a lot of us have the after school special lifetime movie fear mm-hmm. because that's, and funny, we say the after school special lifetime movie because that's what we saw a lot of. Yes. And I was worried about that too because I came out when I was 14. Mind you, I got baptized in church two weeks before I came out. Wow. And I panicked because, mind you, no one was surprised when I finally came out because actually my Aunt Marie recently passed away, but she was one of the people who was like, finally, child. (laughs) But I was so scared that I dropped a note in my mother's pocketbook before I went to school and ran to school. And what did she say when she saw the note? Um, So she traumatized me a little bit because, like I said, I got baptized two weeks beforehand. And dropped the note. I came home. My grandmother gave me this white leather Bible when I got baptized. Because my grandmother was an old Southern church lady. (laughs) And I got home and my Bible was sitting out on my desk with a note in it. I about had an anxiety attack right there in the middle of the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, you're telling me I'm an abomination. You're going to kick me out. Mm. And the gist of the note was pretty much like, yeah, okay, bye. Like the, the the level of gross indifference in it, but then after we talked about it later on, she was like, "Most of us knew, and we kind of mm. talked about it, and we're waiting for you to figure it out in your own time. We didn't want to push the issue until you were ready." Well, and that's the thing. I feel like for everyone else, it's not really a surprise because we have to get to the point where we're comfortable saying it. And I think that journey, no matter how obvious it may be for everyone else, 
And in, you know, looking back on my experience, it's like, well, yeah, I, I was, was gayer than Christmas. I mean, <laughs> no, nobody loves Mariah Carey as much as I did at like age six and can honestly say, oh, it was because she's just that damn beautiful. No, I loved her mind, body and soul and vocals. Well, here's the thing. And I think especially for the experience of someone who is an effeminate man, the negativity we hear growing up, especially regarding femininity and homosexuality mm-hmm. collectively, we have a deeper fear because of what we've heard all our life between it either being the villainization of femininity and men in general or the association of femininity with you being a homosexual, then that compounds together. And it's like, well, I'm fucked. Yeah, and it's always used, it, it's always a negative connotation that is put with it. it. There's something, and you can even look into the misogyny that comes with, there's something so wrong with any sign of being, you know, effeminate or, you know, anything girly. There's something so fearful in boys, especially. Of, there's, a, there's a weakness always attached to it. Yeah, like there's something weak about being a girl, and I always as I've gotten older I was like well what is wrong with that why are we so against as a society having the ability to emote to be able to express yourself the way that you are supposed to be I mean it comes so easy I feel like women are so much better at expressing what they want and who they are than men are because we are trained early not to be that person don't cry, boys don't cry, walk it off, man up. I'm like, the, the problem, the standards. And then I said, I've told, always told people, I was like, yes, I was a big old sissy, but I was the meanest sissy in the world. Well, and it kind of goes with, for me, humor has always been my saving grace. I have a very dry sense of humor. And that was my always my go-to because I felt like, I'd rather be the first person to make the joke than to be on the receiving end. And I think that's what has always gotten me through, especially as I've become an adult. I've used that, and that's been not a defense mechanism so much as my way of just being able to be myself through humor. Mine was never a defense mechanism. I ended up weaponizing (laughs) my, my femininity to a certain extent because... My mother had a conversation with me when I got older and we were talking about this specific topic. And I asked her, I was like, did you ever have a problem with me growing up because I was a little different? She was like, no, because I knew that's who you were. Yeah. Then she told me a story about, she's like, the problem she came into was when my mother was growing up, my mother went out. She went to like the club and all of that. We talk about this stuff all the time. My mother was a majorette. My mother had platinum blonde hair when she was in college, and I saw a picture of her. I'm like, when did you do this? Before you were born. (laughs) She would tell me her problem would be, she's like, she knew gay people when she was growing up. Her problem would be, and I think this is the problem that we run into sometimes, there are people that force this hyper-feminine agenda Hmm. to express their homosexuality, and it's not who they are. It's who they think they should be. Do you, would you say it's more of an altered, you know, way it's, of them that they're expressing themselves, but do you think it's just a little bit of, you know, a put on? 
it, it's it's a little bit of a put on because here's here's what ha- and this is the experience I've had. I've been working in bars and nightclubs since I was 19. And when I worked in Providence in college, and this is when actually I had the conversation with her because like, this is why I asked her the question. Because there were people that would come to the club and they would be in there and we used to call it, they would fag out when they were in the club and yes, girl, and da-da-da-da-da. Providence Place Mall was a couple of blocks from the club I worked at. So sometimes a lot of them worked in the mall and I would see them in the mall and they would be a completely different person. Yeah. Or one could say that the one they were being at work was an act and who they are in that club is the real authentic self. But that was, I think that's why I kind of have the strength of character and personality that I have now because my, one of the things my mother told me, she was like, you will never need to put on an act for me. And I guess that's a luxury I had where I didn't feel like, if I didn't need to put on an act for my mother, I didn't need to put an act for nobody else. She gave birth to me. Her opinion was the only one that mattered. But she said she she found it to be problematic. And she saw this even when I was growing up and how I was treated. Mm. She found it problematic because sometimes those people who put on that hyper feminine air, because that's all they've seen. That's all they associate with gay. So they think that's who they have to be. It makes it for those of us who don't know any other way because that's naturally who you are. It complicates things for us. Well, I think that could even go into another conversation that we will have of how we are seen even by our own community. Oh, I, I was, I, listen, I have you and one other person I want for that episode because that's going to get. Because I feel like that is a mouthful there because I have <laughs> varying opinions on that, especially, oh, especially I, when it comes to I, dating. Oh, I have a lot of opinions on that because. That's what I'm saying. People's perception is too cut and dry. They don't realize just as sexuality is a spectrum between the absolute zero and the absolute sixes on the Kinsey scale, Mm -hmm. people's um, gender expression to a certain extent between masculine and feminine is also a scale. There are some days when, and my mother has said this before, she'll like video call me and I'm in the house with a fitted, a do-rag, and a tank up on, like, moving furniture. She's like, oh, you look very butch today, Barbie. <laughs> I love your mom. And then there are other days when people see me at work, and they're like, you are the prettiest bitch I've seen walk in this room. <laughs> and I was like, and I will still beat your ass. Please get away from me. Oh, God. You deal with all types in your job. I remember nightlife very well. Yes, honey. In- but that's also another example of where you see the variation because even in nightlife, you see the guys come in and they're all butch and da 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 da. Then you have the girls, the girls with the U. <laughs> they come in and it's just like, bitch, you just floated on in here on glitter and diamonds. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing. I feel like those outlets especially when you have the alcohol running, you get to see the real personality. And it's funny. I remember working at the Ritz. I say that with such (laughs) disgust. And I remember you would see people that would come in at the beginning of an evening and it would be one version coming through the door. And then let's get to like 345 before, you know, lights are up. And I was like, you were like, a level one boring and now you are full queen giving me life where did this person come from 
Will the rest of that bottle of salsa win? Yeah. Well, I always say, don't mess with the brown liquor. It will get you. It will catch. <laughs> it will catch up to you. It will it fuck will, you up. It will. But the pro. But here's the thing. It seems that people give this energy where inside that is a safe place to release that. But when you get outside, it puts a bullseye and a target on you because exactly because it's there's no security surrounding you when you are on your own and you are walking down a street. And I say this as someone who still to this day. I know what it is even today when I go for runs in the park here in Astoria, you know, I was saying to my roommate, I still get that feeling of aggression that comes my way just by how someone looks at me. And it's, it's almost degrading because it's like looking you up and down in disgust. I'll hear like someone calling me a faggot as I'm running. And it's like, I can't alter who I am. And nor would I want to, because this is who I am. This is almost 33 years of living in this skin, in this body. And when I go through these experiences of just walking to get coffee or going to the subway and you notice that you are getting judged and it's purely based on the presentation. And look, I'm, I'm a feminine. I own that. I own that in every fiber of my being. But it's not an act. And I, exactly. and I always find it funny, even in New York, you know, the most liberal, you know, place in the world, I still can go around and, you know, feel like I'm not safe in certain instances. And I have, I have the same experience all the time. And the thing for me is my hair color changes. Like people change their underwear. <laughs> this is very true. Mm-hmm. My, my nails are always done. So even if, if I'm out and people can't tell by my mannerisms, there are visual cues. And I've literally had people follow. I wasn't, and this is very recent this happened. I was walking through the World Trade Center to get on the PATH mm-hmm. train, and a guy followed me on the train, accosting me. Oh, God. Little did he know, I could have easily put my bag down and whooped his ass. I didn't because I was on my way to work and my mother told me to save my bail money for something important. <laughs> Good mom. But the people, people are so scared of a man having feminine attributes that you want to follow somebody across them on the train. What has, what has my energy done to personally offend or harm? Oh, it's almost as if what is so threatening about me that you have to stop living your life in those moments and just to put down another human being. I I will never understand this as many times as I go through this since a young child, you know, going through the hallways of school till now as an adult in, you know, the city that I love, you know, this is always going to be an issue. It's never going to go away. You know, what our society is and it's not changing. Because I just, and the the weirdest part is, it's when they need something from us, uh-huh. all of a sudden, oh, hey, girl, you look fabulous. Yes. Okay, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, we're, all, we're only good for, like, what we can provide. It's like the queer eye for, you know, the silly fucking straight yeah. people. 
Well, that that was the whole thing why I mentioned the part about being an act because then that comes into the visibility factor because I think a lot of um, gay men were fed a false script growing up because a lot of our visibility up until recently was the traditionally portrayed effeminate, prissy, sassy, gay sidekick type of character. And a lot of people grew up assimilating to that because they thought that's what it meant to be or gay. they felt so not, that is not who they are, that they almost reject, you know, being a part of any type of anything gay related because it just doesn't, it's not who they are. That's not them. Exactly. See, we're on the same page with that. People, the representation people saw did not represent them. So they were not able to, one, associate with their gayness, and two, it created to a certain extent a level of disgust Mm -hmm. in them because they're like, I like men, but I'm not like that. That's not me. I don't think that represents me. That can't be me. So I don't like it. I'm scared of it. Let me fuck with it. Because the number of guys I went to college with that after I got out of college, after I dealt with their bullshit mysteriously years later, they come out of the woodwork. Folks, folks got boyfriends and partners or randomly are in the city and hit me up on one of those applications. Oh, yes. That's a another. <laughs> that was then, I'm like, we'll talk about that with the dating because that's a whole laundry list of <laughs> foolishness. But equally, I think when it comes to embracing the identity as an effeminate gay man, there is a slight sense of um, power that mm-hmm. comes with that. Because there's a lot of spaces that we're allowed into. <laughs> yeah. I would, there's that, almost a freedom with that. Yes. We, we, have the, we have the freedom to speak our mind a little bit more because even, it, may, it may even be a negative stereotype or connotation, but people expect us to. Well, I think the moment you come out of that closet, you don't have to hold on to anything anymore. You, you, you can yes. officially let go and be yourself. And I think that's the thing that I carry on with me in work, in every other aspect of my life, my friendships, my family. I just don't have patience for stupid. I don't have patience for giving you you know, a quick little sound bite. I want to give you my opinion. This is my life. These are my viewpoints. Here you go. Everything's not going to be a yes, honey. Not everything's going to be, you know, digestible and simple and sweet. Life is hard. There are real conversations to be had. I think in light of everything going on in the world, you know, those are meaningful conversations to continue having. Yeah. And it's one of the things where people need to understand that it's okay. (laughs) You don't, you don't have to assimilate behaviors that don't come naturally. You don't have to force yourself to do things that aren't you. Cause you, sometimes you see a lot of people that are afraid to be who their true self is because they don't think they're going to get an opportunity or they think they're going to get judged or it makes them more of a target than they already are on the head right there. It's the judgment. I think people 
And it's the funniest thing of working in a bar setting. You get to see the fear come out from people on how they relate to someone else and almost do they stay reserved or do they put themselves, you know, kind of out of their comfort zones in order to kind of truly get to know another person. And by getting to know another person, you have to be yourself. And what version of yourself are you going to give, especially in an environment that's supposed to be a safe space for everyone? Exactly. Because you'll have sometimes, you'll have places, like I have places that I've been where I don't feel comfortable because of my Mm -hmm. effeminate nature. Because the energy and the atmosphere around me feels so unwelcoming. Well, and I would say, would you also agree that you know your audience. You know exactly when you walk into a room what is working and what isn't, and do you feel comfortable? Exactly, because, like, I have gay friends I hang out with, and I also have straight friends I hang out with, but I don't limit myself to where what venues I interact with either one of them, but what I, when I go out with some of my straight friends, when we go certain places, I can't fully relax. Because you feel like you're you're just waiting almost in a sense for the shoot and I'm, drop. It's not that. Yeah, because like, we'll go the, out it's and the it's the like... people you don't know. Exactly. It's the people I don't know because I know my friends have my back regardless of what happens, but when you have a certain energy about you, you go into an environment that's like the polar opposite or not welcoming to that, you can't really relax. Like, we'll go there and the music's playing and like, I go out and a lot of my friends have girlfriends and we'll dance or whatever. And we'll be at a gay club or somewhere that's a little mm-hmm. bit more neutral. And I'll be dancing and carry on or whatever. And we'll be at some of these places. And I... Do you they're, think they're, you kind like, of real they real... <laughs> I, I've been called... I've been, I've been called out on really get in before. They're like, Greg, or, what's going on? That, isn't that... You don't you? I'm like, yeah, I don't think that will go over very well here. And I have the luxury of having good friends they're like listen if anybody got a problem we all got a problem because my friends i love them to death but we were well, a little hood and i would say that's the definition <laughs> like... of real friends <laughs> we, we we we've had some instances where we've had to like throw down luckily none of those have ever been for on not, luckily none of those situations have ever been on my behalf thank god but i also have the additional luxury of my mother is accepting of me as I am. And I tell people all the time, the only people whose opinions matter to me really are God's and my mother's. My mother already said, as long as I don't end up in jail, addicted to drugs, and have no babies, I'm good. Well, the third one's not an option. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a little tricky. That, 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 that's a long way off, and I don't really like wow. children. But I've been allowed to embrace all of myself in all aspects and all facets. And I feel like a lot of people don't get that luxury. Either they don't get that from their families or society, or here's the worst one, they don't give it to themselves. Well, I think we're always the hardest on ourselves, especially, I would even say it as gay men. Because we feel like we're trying to figure out where we fit in mass society, where we fit in It's trying to do that dance of like, how am I going to survive in this life? Where do I belong? Exactly. And the, the, the great thing 
if you embrace it early enough, you become a little bit tougher because you have to grow. You can, you can agree with me or not on this. When you realize who you are early, you have to grow up a lot faster. I would also say, and we can bring it back to what it is to be judged based on being a feminine. I would say at this stage in my life, I am able to assess an individual faster and quicker than most. I see through the bullshit because I know everything that I went through, I'm not going to surround myself with people that aren't, you know, authentically who they need to be. I just don't have the time or energy for it. And I think it, the, there's too much going on in the world yeah, for us it, to waste our time. You know, a lot of um, my friends and some that we have in common would even say, you just really have no patience for people. And I was like, no, I don't. They didn't earn it. They didn't earn it. Same, say, same thing for me. There's like, there's people, and I always tell people, like, there's some people I keep at a distance because I'm always going to be who I am. This is who I will always be. If you ask anybody that meets me, they will tell you Greg is always and Greg. And there's no other way to be. And if, exactly. And if you can't exist in your truth on the same level that I do, I can't, our energies aren't compatible. And this is the thing. Finding your chosen family, especially as gay men, is so important. And I would always say this to anyone. That's the most important relationships you should start off finding early on is the people in your life that aren't necessarily someone that you want in a sexual way, but that backbone of what, what makes you happy. And that should be the people in your life and the people that, you know, love and respect and get you for who you are. Without any judgment, without any bias, and without any conditions, because Sometimes, and I, I know you see this very well as I do, you'll see those groups that they only want the butch uh. boys. They don't have anybody. <laughs> All of them. It, it's just, you're, you're, try, you're trying to surround yourself with people who are going to fortify who you are rather, you, rather than you finding well, that internally. I can be very honest and say I feel sometimes that I don't really necessarily feel accepted even within our community for being who I am. I I think there is a feeling of there's a looking down upon me because I'm this way that, you know, or I don't look a certain way aesthetically to, you know, please their fucking eyes that, you know, you are put on a different level. You you don't fit that. You don't fit. I'm not a house kitchen. um, Let's put it that way. (laughs) <laughs> you don't fit the optics of the cause. You're not going to be on anybody's no, prize I... flyer. Um, you can't be on a, there's no network television show that has anybody that, like the closest thing. And I, I like when you mentioned, you're not the typical Hell Kitchens gay. I'm not the typical Harlem gay. <laughs> the closest thing people have seen to, the, the closest representation to who I am. And this was brilliant for me because it actually gave me a lot of strength too. Was seeing Lafayette oh, on True God, Man. I loved that show. Well, the first two seasons, then it went a direction. Well, yeah, I watched the whole thing just because of that character because that was the first time I saw the closest in 
type to me on television. Well, I could so see you being the person cooking in the back and then going up to the guy with the AIDS burger. <laughs> I got phone calls on that episode. They were like, Greg, why are you on TV beating people up? I was like, I wasn't at work tonight. I didn't beat anybody up. <laughs> I could so see you in that type of situation. <laughs> But then when I watched it, I was like, oh, that is me. I just don't wear that much jewelry. He was always stylish for, like, but, that awful oh, yes, establishment. But he he could, my whole thing is, you just have to look and be like, when you look in the mirror, take one thing off, honey. Take one thing off. It was always, it, it was always a little extra. <laughs> so, um, any final thoughts for our listeners from this episode? Anything you want them to take away from oh this? Oh, God, it sounds like one of those, like, HBO life stories, family in crisis moments. <sighs> Remember that? I used to <laughs> love that shit. I would eat it up. Oh, that, listen, all of those, all those HBO specials, like, the Ryan White story was on HBO, was if I'm not mistaken. Project, where it was just Trevor. That one was kind of silly. Oh, Trevor. But- yes, yes, yes. Well, that it, one was like, it was like a short. I feel like it was like, like a little dark short comedy. Film. Yeah. But I guess what I would say is this, you know, live your life not according to anyone else's expectations or even our own community. Because I feel like that's the thing that kind of gets us all. We, especially specifically gay men, gay and bi men, you know, we come out of childhood, not all of us, but I would say we go through trauma of varying, of varying degrees. Mm-hmm. And with that, we take that into adulthood. And in turn, it could either affect how we relate to other people, especially other queer people, based on how we want to be perceived as a queer person. You can't base what you see in a movie or a book or whatever else is out there. You have to live your own life because nobody else is paying your your fucking bills. So you have to be true to yourself. So your femme, great. Your butch, great. You lay somewhere in the middle, that's fine. You have to live a life that's true because what is it for? We only get one shot at this. Why are we trying to be something that we aren't? And I think that goes for anyone, regardless of sexual orientation. I think it's just, for us, it becomes tricky because we are all trying to find our place in a already marginalized community. And we're still trying to find our side of the island that we fit. That's perfect, actually, because it just living your truth once Get get to a comfortable place where you know who you are and, and live it. That's all one can ever hope for. I think we're all striving for that. We, we're all trying to find, not only to live in our truth, but just where we want to live, where we feel safe and comfortable yes. in the physical world like the world island of misfit well. toys. <laughs> oh, man, lovely. <laughs> it was great having you today, Aww, Chris. Thank, thank, you, thank you so much you for so having much. me. I hope we can do this again. Oh, yes. Um, I am actually writing up the rest of my episode list because I think for June, because I just realized what the time is, this is actually going to be my That's first right. episode it's for Pride official. Month. So I think all of my episodes for June are going to be something directly related with the LGBT community. So once I look at the calendar, we may double back and meet up at the end of the month for 
the actual date of Pride to do a special episode. Now, see if I can get some more people on this to get a couple more voices to um, represent the entire community in some way, shape, or form. And so we can have like a nice little forum to talk about <laughs> gay stuff. I would love that. <laughs> and I think what you're doing is great. I'm very proud of you, Greg. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure Great, having you. Care. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, everybody. This week's Peach Pit is actually not what it was originally planned, but it's something that I need to address with everything going on with the protesting and the rioting and the looting and all of the things going on in the um, aftermath of the murder of George Floyd. I'm going to need everyone to get their things in order. This cannot be the way we live. I am home and I am afraid to leave my apartment because I don't know what can happen to me. I don't know if I'm going to end up going somewhere and be in the midst of rioters and get caught up in the nonsense. I don't know if I'm going to walk down the block and be accosted by the police just because they're overzealous and they feel threatened because of everything that's going on. People are peacefully protesting and there are people infiltrating these protests causing chaos and disorder and is being blamed on black people unnecessarily and causing a brutal response from the police this can't be life we need to get this together because if we don't we are on a path to ruin our cities are being destroyed We don't trust or care for each other. We are dividing ourselves instead of uniting to get rid of the problem that we have, which is institutionalized racism. There's people saying, oh, you need to fight from the inside and get into the offices and do the work from there. But if the system is set up to keep us from getting into these offices and holding us back from the positions of power to change things, what do we do? Please remember, the French Revolution, they almost burnt down the city of Paris because they did not like the way they were being treated, and that's how they got what they wanted. What happened? We're going into Pride Month where we celebrate and commemorate the Stonewall Riots. People were fed up with how they were being treated, and their voices weren't being heard any other way, so they had to break shit. We don't need to repeat the past. We need to learn from it. Elected officials, step up. Um, Mayor de Blasio, your comments regarding the riots were abhorrent. You have no perspective on what is going on. You are speaking from a short-sighted place, and you need to sit your ass down somewhere. Governor Cuomo, You are doing a great job with all these updates regarding COVID-19. You have a platform and a voice. Please use it. People around the country are listening to you. Give us hope. Give us guidance. Give us something. Leaders in the black community, step up. Celebrities with these huge platforms, you come to us to spend our money on outfits to go to concerts and buy your music and buy your tickets step up and speak up use your voices as i said in some of my posts i'm not going to be out there protesting my spirit is that of a warrior but not the one you need out there fighting 
this battle, this can't be mine. Because I don't want to end up being another hashtag for y'all to be protesting for justice for. I will use my words as a weapon and hopefully they will inspire some kind of change or somebody to figure out how to do this better. Because I don't know. But something has to be done because this cannot be the world we live in. We fought and protested and fought and protested for so long. How long are we going to fight and protest before something changes and they stop killing us? That's all.